there's there's a piece of the of the narrative here that I'm missing. Was the reception to the videos that good from the very start? I don't think I'd uploaded anything at that stage. I can't remember. Wow. Um, you wait, you quit before creating the YouTube channel. Brian from Real Engineering is one of the leading voices for in-depth education on YouTube. With almost 3 million subscribers, how did a man from a small town in Ireland become THE engineering channel? I am Alex, and this is Genesis. Uh, when you meet someone new uh, over dinner or make a new friend or whatever, and the question about work inevitably comes up, what is your go-to answer for what your job is? depends the mood I'm feeling. Sometimes I, I avoid it completely. I don't like saying I'm a YouTuber because people either think that you're just like some spastic like Logan Paul or just like they just look at you weird because they don't understand how a YouTube like YouTube isn't a job. What the hell are you talking about? Uh, <laughs> uh, so I'd usually say I'm like a documentary filmmaker if I'm feeling like the person will like maybe interested in that or sometimes if I just like absolutely have no in interest in talking about what I do. I say I'm an engineer and I never get follow up questions when I say I'm an engineer. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it is accurate. Yeah, it's like I'm I'm a trained engineer. It's not a lie, but it's just this is like sometimes the documentary filmmaker thing does elicit like follow up questions, and I'm an introverted guy, so sometimes I just don't want to talk. So let's start all the way to the beginning. I think I know the answer to this question, but where were you born? Galway, Ireland. Did you live there for long? Yeah, most of my life. Went to secondary school and college there. What year did I leave for Malaysia? 2000 and, I was 23, yeah, 2013 was the first time I moved away from Galway. Wow. How, uh, how big of a town is Galway? It's a small city, I guess. It's like 70,000 people. Perfect size for me, really. You can like walk from one side of the city to the other, but like you still don't know everyone. But yeah, I think in, in terms of the world standards, it's, it's probably a small town. How did it affect your early life living in a, what will the world consider a small town? I don't know. I, I loved Galway. Like I, I went to a school in, in the city centre and like we were allowed to go in into the city at break. And like it's a re it is a really quaint kind of town. Like there's this beautiful little river that goes through the middle of it. And like still love that place to, to this day. It's like a really peaceful, peaceful little walk. Yeah, I don't know. Like if you want to get like into the nitty gritty of it, I think growing up in a small town probably limits you a lot in your vision and what you can accomplish. And I think that was probably true for me for a long time like I didn't exactly think big but it's also like it was a really nice place to grow up and like can't complain at all how early in your life did you see any signs of interest for science or any skill related to engineering were you the sort of smart math kid in school or was that <laughs> a late development I was in love with science from like the moment I was born, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> like some of my <laughs> earliest memories is like I was obsessed with David Attenborough, still am. Like my one of my hobbies as a kid was to go out into the garden and like draw the animals. And like I had a little scrapbook that I would like kind of try to do some sort of I don't know, like it was a kind of like a biology book of my own of trying to like draw what their feet would look like and all that. But no, I struggled in school a lot. I, I thought I was really good at drawing and like, which was true. I kind of wish I like developed that talent a bit more. But um, I'm 
dyslexic or at least like i think i am um i've been tested for it but they say i'm not but <laughs> like everyone in my family is dyslexic i think i just like make up for it in like being pretty good at other things but i don't think that's how dyslexia works but if like look at my mother's side like every single person in her side is like heavily dyslexic but yeah i struggled with languages um i had a pretty bad lisp until i was about 10 and just like struggled with concentration still con- struggle with concentration and things um so was pretty much a straight maybe c student at the best of times and at times just like failed completely it wasn't really until i got into secondary school and i discovered like because we didn't learn science in in primary school it wasn't until i got into secondary school and we started learning science that i discovered oh shit i'm actually good at this i'm not great at math because it's taught with words as soon as i discovered i could understand this by just drawing things because i have a good spatial memory and stuff that's when i discovered i'm good at science like i'm like very good with spatial reasoning and i could just like if I needed to remember what a heart was and all the different parts of it, I'd just draw it out like five times from memory and like a, I can still draw a heart out from memory. Wow. How did that evolve as you started and as you had to start deciding what to go to college for? Yeah, I, pr- I decided to do all three sciences in, in for my final exam. So in Ireland, you have uh, the leaving cert and you have to pick three subjects or you can pick four you can pick as many as you want but like you're gonna have to sit every single exam so it's gonna impact you it's gen- like generally three because you sit seven exams generally and you take the points from your best six i knew french i did pass french because i just like hated languages i was like i'm never going to use this so i just did pass <laughs> french so i wouldn't have to study for it like, and i didn't study for it you go in and you connect like the bibliotheque to like a picture of a library it's like <laughs> an exam for children well, i did all three sciences and a lot of my teachers like this is going to be way too much work because like they're generally like some of the harder things most kids like generally pick like one subject that they're interested in and then do like some banker one like geography or something so yeah i kind of knew science was my thing from like fairly early age mostly because it was the only thing i was good at it took me a while to be decent at math because i just like had bad teachers who didn't really understand my learning difficulties but as soon as i found like a tutor who was like oh no your like spatial reasoning is amazing i'll teach you in this way i started doing pretty well uh, what did you went to college from you you said that you went in galway as well right yeah yeah pretty much all my friends went into engineering as well so it just like just seemed like the normal choice to go into engineering in galway um i studied first year was undenominated engineering because i wasn't sure what type i wanted to do yet and then i did biomedical engineering because like biology was like my main thing back then still love it but it's probably not the same obsession i had like because it was still that kind of david david attenborough obsessed kid that like wanted to do that yeah just study that ended up doing a master's after in aeronautical engineering because i was struggling to find a job with biomedical engineering because all the mechanical engineers were getting jobs as biomeds but none of the biomeds were getting jobs as mechanical engineers because like <laughs> the mechanical engineering firms are like, what the fuck is biomedical engineering? Like we don't need someone who understands like medicine here. <laughs> so I went back and did like a fancy sounding like mechanical engineering type 
uh, course, which was aeronautical, and I got like a job immediately. <laughs> Who will have thought that there will be such a thing as being too specific? Yeah, uh, like I, I would always, if you're d- doing engineering, I would always advise people to not do anything that specific. There's no point. Just do mechanical engineering or electronic engineering or something, and because you can learn the specifics on the job, it doesn't make sense to go that heavy into the detail. So th- this job that you found, how how quickly? Uh, not only how quickly it happened, but what was it? Uh, the role was composite design engineer. I kind of jumped at that job title because at that stage I decided to specialize in composite materials. So like carbon fiber, glass fiber, reinforced plastics and things like that. Like I did my thesis in that. I applied for that like halfway through my my master's course and got interviewed for it like pretty much on like the end of my exams. But I still had like three, four months left to finish my thesis. But I just said like, um, good luck. I'm, I'm going taking this job, but the job was in Malaysia. So uh, that caused some problems. So yeah, I like moved out to Malaysia, I think June 2013. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I had to do my thesis from Malaysia for like three months, which was difficult because I didn't have the software I needed. <laughs> <laughs> Explain to me how the, you went from a kid that by your own admission was introverted and you continue being introverted and then just did its entire education in Galway, in the places you were born, to going like, I'm going to get a job and move to Malaysia, which is like <laughs> the farthest different culture that I could think of. Like how, what was the, what was the logic process there? Pretty much exactly that. I wanted to learn. I, I was kind of at that stage and the master's was actually in Limerick. So that was, uh, I missed that. I forgot I moved to Limerick for my master's, but that was just like seven, eight months. At that stage, I was struggling a lot with anxiety and like a little bit of depression, but mostly an anxiety disorder. And my way of dealing with it was running at everything that made me anxious, which was partially why I went back to do a master's, just because like I felt I couldn't concentrate anymore with the anxiety. So I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to go back and do like a really hard master's course and prove that I can concentrate. And then when I got offered that job, I was, I, I was scared the shit out of me. I was like, I don't, know, I don't know if I can deal with living in this country by myself. But I felt it was like something I had to like challenge and ended up being like one of the best decisions I made, like because it like taught me a lot about myself and kind of showed me that like I can be quite extroverted and just learned how to make new friends and everything else and allowed me to kind of grow. I think it's always good to get away from your hometown and away from your friends because you start to think you're a certain way and then once you get away from those influences you realize that you're not like that at all you're just you've got into a pattern of just being yep basically how how long did you spend in malaysia three years wow (laughs) wow so you were working for the same company all these three years right um the last six months i was working on the youtube channel so i quit yeah about six months before i left and kind of ran out of money at that stage and had to go home. Heading a little bit back, because I (laughs) I have a couple of interesting things that seem to have happened in that period. Yeah. Before even that, were you already actively consuming YouTube content? Oh, yeah. Since when? I was always, I can't remember how far back this was, but I remember discovering like Minute Physics and a few of the other science YouTube channels and thinking it was just like the coolest thing in the world. And then... I saw Smarter Every Day, Destined from Smarter Every Day, and I became like a little bit obsessed with that channel. Like that was, I discovered him through his helicopter series, and that was actually the thing that 
inspired me to go and study aeronautical engineering. Oh, wow. Hey, it's me, Destin. Welcome to Smarter Every Day. So today we're going to learn about how helicopters work. In fact, we're going to put on our thinking hats today. Mine looks like this. And we're going to do a whole video series. There's a lot going on there. We're going to teach you what it is. Let's get smarter every day. So yeah, Destin's had a fairly big impact on my life and I think that was partially what inspired me to do what I'm doing now as well as like I kind of want to have that impact on other people too. I always felt engineering was mis misrepresented in in the media and um, back then I, I always felt like engineering was always this kind of like oh I'm like I'm bad at spelling but I'm good at math type memes on Facebook and stuff and uh, or else like it just it didn't it never really marketed itself as this like this is one of the most influential jobs you can go into to improve the world. Like everything that about our modern lives has been like created by like engineers, like even like doctors rely on engineers to, to develop their tools and things. I was passionate about that. I thought it was an important thing to convey. So that was kind of like my I have like the first video on my channel is like a mission statement saying what I'm trying to achieve out of the channel. Like it's a bit cringy. It's very <laughs> breathy and in trying to be like inspiration porn type thing but like the message is, is true of what i was trying to achieve right regarding the entire thought process of doing a channel i'm curious about how you went from clearly being very knowledgeable of youtube uh, to the point that it was an inspiration to some of your decisions that you had regarding your education mm -hmm. to actually deciding to create content like what what happened there in the middle what was the spark that actually got you to do while you were working have the idea of creating a video or even a channel for that it's hard to pinpoint that because it was always this kind of obsession it was one of those ideas that just stuck with me for years and years and years like I when I was a kid I wanted to be David Attenborough I remember like when my parents asked me what I wanted to be growing up I was like oh I want to do what David Attenborough d does and that's, that's like that's not realistic like <laughs> pick something else um but they didn't like YouTube didn't exist back then like I've always been really interested in film and things and I've always been interested in art with the drawing and I think engineering was something I was always interested at in but like I was probably never going to be that talented as an engineer because like it does require a special kind of genius to do like the big heavy lifting type work like I would have been a perfectly fine kind of uh, general manager or something just something kind of doing the same thing every other day but like that's just not how my brain works I, I would have been miserable I think YouTube was what I was supposed to be doing and I, I was just like obsessing about it I, I, I started learning animation on the side I had like a like a four-day weekend during Chinese New Year in 2016 I think yeah and I just like went picked like some cheap resort on a Malaysian island I think it cost me like a hundred dollars to to get out there and stay for the weekend and I just locked myself into my room and learned like after effects for for the four days and then just started like playing around with premiere like there's a lot of experimentation there before i ever like released a video um i tried to do it on camera and i was like shooting with my mobile phone i was like this no this, is, this doesn't feel right because i was like trying to be destined or whatever and trying to be like enthusiastic and like I, I it just felt cringy when i did it he does it amazingly well but it just felt fake when i was doing it and just like played around for a couple of months and then like kind of landed on the kind of video essay format and the animation 
and like the blueprint and all that but yeah i can't pinpoint any single moment i think it was like a lifelong obsession that just like the right things happened at the right time and just kind of worked out yeah that's that's what i'm seeing like there wasn't like an impulsive decision to try this like correct me if i'm wrong but it seems the the idea of making communication in this sense engineering communication had been floating in your head forever because and you you prepare for it the fact that you took four days just to learn this thing scenes that you, you have very lofty ambitions of what you wanted to achieve with this youtube channel from the get-go even before creating the channel oh yeah like i th- as soon as i found like the video i was like okay th- we, i can run with this 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 format works i quit my job i was like i'm gonna i'm just gonna do this and like there was a lot of other factors that went into that 2016 was a rough year <laughs> <laughs> and i like i remember the decision to quit my job i remember that like the night so vividly it was like and it just felt like the weight of the world was taken off my shoulders as soon as like screw it like worst thing that can happen is i go back to another job i hate and i just went in the next day i was like yeah i think i'm i think i'm done (laughs) and it just like felt great how advanced was the youtube channel at that point that you were confident enough to quit your job like there's there's a piece of the of the narrative here that i'm missing was the reception Uh, to the videos that good from the very start I don't think I'd uploaded anything at that stage. I can't remember. Wow. Um, you Wait, you quit before creating a YouTube channel? Uh, I can't actually. I think I quit in September. And if you look at the channel, I think the first video went up in December. But like there was more to it than just quitting for the YouTube channel. I quit because I, f- I hated that job. <laughs> I hated my boss. My <laughs> boss was just like, I think a month before that, my boss had like fake fired me. Like my, pure Michael Scott move. Like he came in and and I don't think he fake fired me. I think he fired me. And I think the the higher ups in the company are like this guy runs your engineering department. <laughs> it's like I literally was like the one man engineering department in in Malaysia and did everything. And like I was the product manager and like had to had to learn graphic design, which was actually great because having to design the all the brochures and and manuals for the company is what like introduced me to Adobe. So like that worked out. But yeah, no, there's a lot of factors in it like that. uh, I I was getting really anxious with that job and just didn't, didn't enjoy it. Didn't like my boss. He fake fired me because I didn't come into, into work on a Monday because I dislocated my shoulder (laughs) during the weekend playing uh, uh, Aussie rules football because someone dumped me on my shoulder and dislocated it. And I told him, like, I called in and emailed him. I was like, I can't come in. I need to get my shoulder scanned. I came in on the Tuesday and he freaked out because my phone was off all day and they were trying to call me. And they said, oh, you have to, like, sign this piece of paper if you're going to take a day off. It's like, OK, like, I'll remember that for next time. But like, this is the first sick day I've taken in three years. Yeah, he was just a bit of a lunatic, and a white man in, in Asia and hadn't had anyone talk up to him in many many years so i think he didn't like me very much because i will always talk back to people it's like if i think you're wrong i'll tell you you're wrong so the the channel was more like an excuse to already quit that job that you didn't like and just have something to do immediately after that i I think so it was like (laughs) i had no real lofty ambitions of it becoming what it is today my my goal was to work on something that i cared about for six months and give it a shot and if I can manage to like scrape by while living in Malaysia, which is like a pretty cheap country to live in, I w- I'd be happy with that. And if not, I'll I'll go back and look for another job. And like I was towards like four or five months in, I did start looking for other jobs. Um, 
because like I was running out of money, but I decided against that job. It's like I think I think towards the end it started becoming feasible. I remember getting my first like sponsorship and like the Vlog Brothers gave me a grant and like it started becoming like a thing towards the time I had to move home. But yeah, I was like I can keep working on this. Yeah, I took about six months exactly for it to become like feasible. <sighs> That's actually incredible. Okay, let's talk a little bit about those six months, about what happened there. So what was your first non-trailer, non-mission statement video? What was your first like proper piece of content? It was um, Wire Plane Windows Round. Um, it was like a two, three minute video, long video about like the accident that caused Windows to go from being square to round. And it like did pretty well. That was going to be my next question. Like what was the, the, the reaction of the people? How was how was it how were the numbers brian i remember sharing it to reddit and stuff and people were like so so about it like it was fine like it got a f couple of views and people thought it was good it was like back then there wasn't a lot of that sort of content on youtube either um like the kind of engineering focus kind of animation stuff today there's a bit more and um, so it felt a bit more unique then but nothing nothing to write home about and then I remember going to sleep i think it was like two or three days after the video went up and i woke up and it had like a hundred thousand views and I lost my mind. I was like, what the hell? And I like couldn't figure out where it was coming from. And then eventually figured out like the Huffington Post had shared it. Wow. Um, and then like it started getting shared in a lot of places, including like some, some sites, because it was so short, a lot of sites were just downloading the video and uploading it to their <laughs> um, oh website and Daily Mail in particular. I was like, they offered to pay me like 50 pounds. Like, Piss off, just take the video down. Uh, but I didn't really get any subscribers from that because it was like my first video and I had no other real videos there. So it was a really good encouraging thing to happen, but it didn't really like help the channel as such. But yeah. It took a few more months of graft to to kind of get it to where it was. You mentioned that you got a Block Brothers grant. Yeah, um, I think that was around July of that year. So, like, say, like, say the channel started in January. I think it was that's about right. I think it was around July that the Vlog Brothers. I, I can't. I think I applied for it. I must have applied for it, and then just got the the grant from the Vlog Brothers, which was like really encouraging. I think it was more encouraging because like Hank and John Green had like seen my channel and thought it was worthy of a grant like the money the money helped but it wasn't like gonna keep keep me going for terribly long but the more symbolic thing there was like someone who i really looked up to was recognizing what i was doing right how quickly did it become economically sustainable you mentioned that there was a point where you were getting like your first sponsorship so you started realizing that the business side of it could be sustainable but how how long did it get to take there and where you did you had any sort of doubts regarding its viability during this time? I think around the Vlog Brothers time, it was when it was like six, seven months. Was I, I had managed to replace my income from my old job in, in that time frame, which wasn't a lot. I was in Malaysia, like I wasn't getting incredible money over there. It was it was a lot for Malaysia, but it wasn't like a lot for Ireland. Yeah, so like six, seven months was like the once the sponsorships started coming in and getting them like once, twice a month, it was feasible. I obviously had doubts at some point if I was applying for jobs and places, um, but I don't remember having the doubts. I don't remember ever being pessimistic about it. I think I just like saw that I'd created like a really cool hobby at, at the very least because I loved what I was doing and I loved like researching and learning the animation and everything. But I don't remember any particular doubts. At what point did you stop looking for jobs? And you were like, this is it. This is going to be my job for the future. I don't think I, I, I stay. I think I, I was offered a second interview and turned it down and just kept doing what I was doing. I think that was like a moment of 
like self-doubt but yeah I, I don't think it, it I think it lasted like a week at most and just continued on doing what I was doing it's hard to remember exactly what I was feeling at that time or what was going on um I I knew I was onto something within like a few months and I was like just just stick with it it's doing well um I think I hit like I I, I think I had like a hundred thousand subscribers within the year which was my goal like I remember writing it down on my like I had a chalkboard in my kitchen that I'd like write my goals down for the year and like I hit a hundred thousand within the year and I don't I think that was like further on I think that was like October or so but yeah it's, it's hard to remember exactly like it was four years ago now which is crazy to think now that all of that is behind us mm-hmm. how has your life changed now that you are in the position in YouTube and in general in content creation that you are a lot like um <laughs> i was i was a pretty miserable person back then um i just i i didn't feel like i had a purpose and i was kind of like i felt like i was kind of just stumbling through life whereas now i very much like feel like i i know what i'm doing this is what i'm meant to be doing this is what i was born to be doing i think that's the biggest thing is like this is i have so much passion for it that like i don't wake up day to day dreading like what I'm going to be doing that day like it's always like an excitement to kind of unless I'm recording that day that's always a bit of dread <laughs> <laughs> for me I think the moment of realization that I wanted to quit my job and kind of do my own thing was like just realizing that like my biggest value in life was just freedom like freedom to create what you want to create freedom to go where you want to go like just freedom in all sense of the word and like any individual week like I'm kind of constrained by the real engineering kind of moniker that like it has to be engineering related or anything. But if you actually examine that, I'm not. I can like I can change the channel name tomorrow if I want and just create what I want to create there. It's just really freeing to be able to kind of, yeah, just imagine something and just bring it into the world. And it's like my favorite thing. Something that I like that you mentioned is liking the idea of inspiring others the way certain YouTube channels inspired you. Mm-hmm. In that vein, what will be your advice that you will give to a new generation of people trying to do science communication based on what you have learned during these years? I'm always hesitant to give any like, this is what you have to do advice, because I think those people suck and think you don't have to do anything. I think like a general rule of thumb is to follow your, your passion and just like, if it gets you giddy, share that giddiness, because that's like, uh, like generally how I pick a video is just like I'm really interested in this and I think other people will be interested in it and like just follow that intuition yeah I think I think it's less about science communication like and just communication just <laughs> just share what you're excited about will that be the advice that you would like to go like travel back into the past and share with yourself I don't know if I needed that advice back then because I think <laughs> that was like what I was trying no actually yeah I guess like I think there was a certain amount of like trying to to like make a video that reddit would like or like the um it was one hyperloop video that it just just sucks like it's just a bad video and i <laughs> i made it because i thought reddit might like and let my like that subject because they were like obsessed with elon musk and i mean i'm still doing that to a certain point but i'm only making those videos when like musk is actually working on something i'm interested in there was one video why the Wright brothers didn't invent flight or something and I was trying to be like controversial and get clicks and that video is like meh it's all right it's not great animations gonna suck <laughs> um yeah I guess like I I should have 
just kept to what I wanted to do back then. But like I, I got to where I needed to be. It's hard to give any real definitive advice on like how to become a science communicator because like there's no real road to do it. It's just kind of a matter of doing it. And if people like what you're making, like it will work out and like work on your base skills, like learn animation, learn, learn the production skills and everything. Because if you're if your goal is to reach a wide audience these days, you can't really just sit in front of your camera and talk. Those people don't get a lot of views these days. Like those days are kind of over. Like you kind of have to have decent production quality. What is the future for for you and for real engineering? What are the projects that you see coming over the horizon that actually make you excited to continue the road that you're taking? Yeah, that's been a big focus for us recently because like it's not just me anymore. Like there's a whole team of us here and they're passionate as well. Like Stephanie's really passionate about what she does. And Mike is really passionate about what he does. Like Mike's an animator. Stephanie runs Real Science. I have Dylan as well, an editor from Ireland. And he gets like excited about the the D-Day stuff. And it's trying to, I'm, I'm trying to find a project that like we can come together as a team that we're, and find like a little bit of excitement in everything and like just let let them express themselves which like uh, like I'm air quoting here as a boss I don't see myself as a boss I just kind of like try to funnel their creative energy I want to create an environment that they're able to like create what they want to create too which is why like real science is like Stephanie's thing like she's interested in life sciences so I was like no like, I'm not going to tell you what to do just like make what you're passionate about and I'll, I, I need to be better at directing that but yeah I think we're, we've been thinking about some like bigger project and maybe like submitting it to a film festival or something and kind of just trying to make a bit more of an event out of it. We have a few ideas for that, but it's kind of trying to nail down one. Yeah, I think I think we want to start making, we're all kind of into the idea of making like a feature length documentary that we could like maybe, maybe put into a film festival or like worst comes to worst. And this isn't even a worst comes to worst. Like it would always be the case. We put it, put it on Nebula. YouTube doesn't give us freedom. That's I think one of the things that's been bothering me most in the last few years is like, I do feel constrained by the real engineering thing of like, I have to create things within this space. So like the D-Day thing was just an idea I had that I really wanted to make and being able to make that like was amazing. And I like enjoyed it so much and we learned a lot in the process. So like, I feel like that play, I I can just upload whatever I want to upload there. And the people who are really into what I'm making will be into it. Like it's, it's not, it doesn't have to be engineering based. Like people will just know it's from me and like trust that like the same kind of energy and passion is going to be there. So yeah, like I think the Nebula thing has freed us up to like feel confident to just like work on what we want to work on. And, like real engineering or real science will still keep, keep ticking away. I don't want to like abandon the people there, but yeah, it's cool to have that place to just kind of be as a creative outlet. It is, definitely. Thank you very much for this, Brian. This has been a a fascinating story. No problem.